0: Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly show, even though I was gone for like two weeks, but normally a weekly show where I discuss true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you and more than likely what the person working at the Tim Hortons drive-thru would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. Before I dive into this week's episode, I do have a little bit of housekeeping. I need to tell you what I need distraction from, as always, and then we'll dive right in. So if you're not interested in listening to any of that, I would suggest maybe skipping ahead about five minutes. But if you're interested, hang on tight because we've got some ground to cover. So as many of you probably noticed I was off for two weeks and that is because I originally I wanted to take a break because I was getting burnt out just from work and life in general and then during that quote-unquote mini break I got sick. I sincerely apologize I did not intend for it to be a two-week kind of ordeal but unfortunately life has a funny way of, you know, making you rest when you absolutely positively should be resting. I do want to thank Lindsay and Maddie for allowing me to drop one of their episodes, being the Ye Old Crime episode I dropped, I believe, on December 4th. Thank you guys so much for letting me do that. I hope that Weird Distractions listeners are also now queuing up Ye Old Crime episodes because their show is hilarious, it is educational, it is historic, it is awesome. You You need to be listening. As well, I want to mention that there will be no weird spam for my $5 here for the weird tier folks for December, but it will be back in January. So stay tuned, keep your eyes and your ears peeled for when that returns. Now, by the time that this episode comes out, you would have maybe already heard the third edition of the listener distractions episode that I posted on December 13th. I just want to say thank you to everybody that submitted a story and would encourage folks that hey. If you have a weird tale that you want me to read on one of these future episodes, feel free to email me at weird distractions Podcast at illook.com. This is one of my favorite series for the show, and I would love to keep doing it, but need your stories to do so. So once again, send me an email, weird distractions Podcast at illook.com. And it could be true crime related, paranormal related, conspiracy theory related, Folklore-related cryptids, or just anything that made you think, "Wow, that was weird." Now, I think that's all for housekeeping. In terms of my need for distraction, I think I need a distraction from the fact that Christmas season, or the holiday season, whatever holiday you personally celebrate, just the holiday season in general, is upon us, and everything just feels so crammed and chaotic. And I need a distraction from that because, to be honest, as many people who've been listening since the get-go know, I'm not a big Christmas holiday fan. I don't like the expectations. I don't like the stress. I don't like the weather. (laughs) So I'm excited to talk about today's topic. It will have a little bit of kind of like a Christmas-esque to it, but uh, regardless, it's something weird. It's something kooky and spooky, and I think you all will love it. So let's dive into that. (laughs) So it's been a hot minute since I've discussed a conspiracy theory. And because it is the gift-giving season, I figured I wanted to add that to the mix with discussing some creepy toy conspiracy theories to kind of get us in the weird festive mood aka the only festive mood I will get into is if it's weird. I'll be discussing five toys and the strange theories associated with them. If I miss one that you have heard of definitely let me know and I do want to discuss others not mentioned today potentially on a later date so consider this version part one of maybe this ongoing uh, conspiracy theory topic I will discuss. Due to potential coarse language, disturbing adult themes, and other topics that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. Before kicking the theories off, I just want to say that these are theories I found online, meaning I didn't make them up, so, you know, don't sue me. Anyways, let's just dive into the first toy and its theory being... Cabbage Patch Kids. So, Cabbage Patch dolls or kids hit the wish list of many in the early 80s. I'm not gonna lie, I don't think I had a Cabbage Patch kit doll, and I don't know if that's because I just wasn't interested in them. I mean, I was interested in other weird dolls as a kid, but it was either that or maybe we just couldn't afford Cabbage Patch kits. I don't know. But regardless, didn't have one. Can't say I was about the hype by any means, shape, or form. These cloth dolls with plastic heads were originally inspired by another doll line called Doll Babies, and originally Cabbage Patch kits were called The Little People. Eventually, there was a name change, and they were renamed Cabbage Patch Kids. The doll babies came with their own adoption birth certificate and adoption papers, which was added to the Cabbage Patch Kids line as well. The Cabbage Patch Kids, which were created by a man named Xavier, would be hand-stitched and first sold at craft stores before being sold in a converted old clinic located in Cleveland, Georgia. This old clinic would be called Babyland General Hospital. Xavier saw huge success with the dolls with some reports claiming he was a millionaire by age 26 but it wasn't all dolls and paradise as there was a huge lawsuit between Xavier and the creator of the doll babies being Martha Nelson Thomas To be fair, from what I read online, Xavier seemingly took Martha's idea for her dolls and kind of ran with it as his own. I think he made, like, some changes, but still they are pretty much on par with one another from my understanding. Accounts claim that Martha filed a lawsuit for $1 million, which in 2022, that would be approximately $2.9 million. The two eventually settle outside of the court, but still, it's not really necessarily the, the greatest start to a company. There were other controversies and more lawsuits surrounding Xavier and the dolls. But kind of stepping away from that and more into the weirdness of the dolls and the weirdness of the situation, there are some people that think that perhaps the dolls were designed the way they were in order to specifically look a certain way. Not connecting the real life notion that Xavier had been influenced by Martha, many conspiracy theorists believe that the Cabbage Patch dolls were designed the way they were in order to mimic what a survivor of a nuclear war would look like. These conspiracy theorists supposedly believed that President Ronald Reagan, you know that guy, allegedly was the mastermind behind the Cabbage Patch dolls, and that he, not Xavier, but he made the Cabbage Patch dolls the way that they look to manifest fears of what the appearance may be of children following a thermonuclear war. Basically, it was kind of seen as a fear-feeding tactic in order to scare children, their parents, and everyone around them to be prepared for what life may look like if the U.S. entered a nuclear war. Now, this theory is a big ol' stretch, obviously, as there are no connections between the dolls, Reagan, or nuclear warfare. Yes, the dolls have a very specific look, but when I try to look online for comparisons between the dolls and actual nuclear warfare survivors, I couldn't find any connecting images. There are other theories surrounding the Cabbage Patch Kids. From claims of them coming to life and murdering people, which, hi, that's the storyline for Chucky, to children receiving a death certificate when they await their dolls to be fixed. I think this is a great toy to start off the episode, as it kind of shows how far down the weird well we're going to get into, especially with the next toy. The next toy on the list to discuss is Beanie Babies. And Beanie Babies were such a staple in my childhood, and so I'm no stranger to the conspiracy theory surrounding beanie babies and spider eggs. I have a fear of spiders, so this one always sends shivers down my side and makes me just want to, you know, yak and just be non-existent for a little bit. Before we discuss the conspiracy theory, let's talk about this icon of a toy. Created in 1986 by H. Ty Warner, these cute, mostly animal-like toys are stuffed with plastic pellets, aka the beans, rather than the usual soft stuffing we saw in stuffed animals. These toys became a huge hit in the 90s, which hello, hi, that's when I was around, with their cute designs and their infamous heart tag that would usually say to and from, and eventually including a name for the beanie baby, a birthday, and a little saying. According to Bowling Green State University website, the original Beanie Babies, referred to as the Original Nine, included Legs the Frog, Squealer the Pig, Brownie the Bear, later renamed Cubby the Bear, Flash the Dolphin, Splash the Whale, Patty the Platypus, Chocolate the Moose, Spot the Dog, and Pinchers the Lobster. Like many great things in life, they usually become tainted with some kind of weird online conspiracy theory. According to a Snopes article in November of 2014, a website called Clickhole reportedly published an article stating that our beloved Beanie Babies were actually filled with recluse spider eggs back in the 90s. That clickle website supposedly was quote saying quote "If you are obsessed with beanie babies in the 90s, get ready to fall in love all over again because the spider eggs they used to fill your favorite beanie babies are beginning to hatch. Collectors all over the country have been reporting that the long-awaited day has finally arrived, with brown recluse spiderlings bursting through the seams of beanies everywhere which I'm sorry if that's not a line for an upcoming horror movie, I don't know what is. For those who have never heard of a brown recluse spider, don't fear. I will explain why they are not only awful to look at online, but why you should hope to never cross one on a bad day. Or really, a good day. Or any day, really. Any day that ends with why. Just don't. You don't want to cross these spiders. So these spiders usually are a light to medium brown in color, and they grow between 6 to 30 millimeters and, reportedly, have a neurocrotic venom. Now I did read that these spiders are typically not aggressive and bites usually seem to happen when the spider is not notice at first, such as when you're putting on shoes or clothes that perhaps it was kind of hanging out in, you know, minding its own business, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was interrupted. According to the HealthLink BC website, this species is most often in the south-central part of the United States and thrives in hot, dry, abandoned areas such as wood or rock piles. Notice how I didn't mention anything about them living in Beanie Babies. For people who decide to look at this theory with a more inquisitive lens, they probably were able to dispel the theory fairly quickly. For starters, why on earth would anyone put spider eggs in toys on purpose? Like, why? who who would wake up one day and be like, you know what, we're really running out of plastic pellets. We should put spider eggs instead, because, you know, that makes sense. Secondly, spider eggs do not take 20 years to hatch. They actually hatch within a few weeks, depending on the species. That clickhole website since seemingly read their site of the story and noted that their intention was to provide some form of weird satire. But I honestly picture some people being duped by this less than egg salent conspiracy theory. But moving on, we're now gonna talk about the Raggedy Ann doll. When it comes to the Raggedy Ann doll, many spooky weirdos automatically more than likely probably think of the infamous Annabelle, the doll believed to have been possessed by a demon. Many have theorized that this doll is even responsible for the physical harm and death of living humans when they come into contact with it. But stepping away from Annabelle, the actual Raggedy Ann doll has its own conspiracy theory, which may have some eerie truth to it. The history of Raggedy Ann begins with author Johnny Gruel, who trademarked the name Raggedy Ann back in 1915. The doll, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, is a rag doll with red yarn for hair and a triangle nose. When it comes to the beginnings of the doll, many believe that Johnny created the doll after losing his daughter to a vaccine-related illness. Further, the doll was allegedly created to broadcast the risk of vaccinating your children, according to a Snopes article. What's true about this theory is that Johnny's daughter did pass away at age 13. Marcella Delight-Gruel, the daughter of Johnny and his wife Myrtle, seemingly passed away on November 8th of 1915 in Silvermine, Connecticut, according to a a Grave website. The cause of death for Marcella, as mentioned in this conspiracy theory, was due to an infected vaccination, which left the... It's to believe that this whole situation created Johnny to go full on anti vaccination. According to the previously mentioned Snopes article, this theory was amplified online back in January 2017, so almost over 100 years after the fact, when a Facebook page called The Truth About Vaccines reportedly shared a meme promoting the notion that the Raggedy Ann doll was created as part of an anti-vaccination movement. And I just want to plug in right here, right now, Um, not everything on Facebook is real. Just putting that out there. Just going to blanket statement that right here, right now. Anyways, it is possible that Marcella may have passed away due to an infection related to the vaccination. It was 1915. Medicine was developing like it is today, and well, shit can happen. But what has never been proven to be true is the notion that Johnny went full anti-vaxxer and created the Raggedy Ann doll as a way to warn folks not to get their kids vaccinated. For starters, in this whole debunking of this theory, Johnny had applied for the patent for the Raggedy Ann doll in May of 1915, before Marcel had even passed away, which this notion basically diminishes the theory that he created the doll in order to warn folks about vaccinating their kids because Marcella was still alive. Nothing had happened, right? In a direct quote from a write-up by Patricia Hall, quote, in November, the same month of Marcella's death, gruel had been granted final approval by the US Patent Office for his doll called Raggedy Ann, but all that was overshadowed by the death of his beloved daughter. I would consider this a case closed until further notice in my books, but definitely let me know what you all think. Now, we have another millennial classic on the list being Pokemon, and another weird theory or perhaps a misleading headline situation in association with Pokemon, but. Not for the reason you think. Let's talk about Pokemon first for those that are unaware and have no idea what I'm talking about. Pokemon is a Japanese media franchise that was created by Satoshi Tajiri in early 1989. Pokemon, or pocket monsters, are basically these fictional creatures that inhabit their own fictional world, possessing different powers and characteristics. The designs of the Pokemon reportedly are inspired by a wide range of things, such as animals, plants, and mythological creatures. It's a huge franchise, and to be frank, I would be partially surprised if there was a person tuning in who hasn't heard of them or at least has seen one of their advertisements at least once. I mean, no judgment to anyone who hasn't, but what rock are you living under? Anyways, where things get wonky and weird is when people began believing that these fictional characters, their toys, or cards, like anything associated with them, may be linked to cancer due to an actual gene discovery. According to the Ranker website, scientists at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in 2005 found a new gene that, when aberrant, could potentially cause cancer. Unfortunately to this massive Japanese franchise, scientists called this gene polketheroid, myeloid, ontogenic, factor, or... Pokemon. Headlines began pumping out indicating that the Pokemon gene was linked to cause cancer. And I'm sure people can see where this is going, but for those that don't, many read the headline, not the article, and began thinking that Pokemon toys and games were causing cancer. The truth? They weren't. Things got so out of hand that reports claimed that Pokemon USA allegedly threatened to sue the cancer researchers regarding the name they chose for the gene. This gives me Corona beer and virus vibes all over again. Nonetheless, the researchers from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Center quickly changed the name to ZBTB7, and Pokemon got its groove back. It- No, I don't think it suffered from any further financial problems by any means, shape, or form. The last toy-related conspiracy theory involves one toy that, to be honest, gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know what it is about Furbies, but they just don't do it for me. I don't think they ever did as a kid, and to be honest, they, they never will. Regardless, they were a hot commodity, especially for kids in the 90s. According to Wikipedia, the toy is an American-based robotic toy that was originally released in 1998 by Dave Hampton and Caleb Chung through Tiger Electronics. The toys are supposed to resemble like a hamster or owl-like creature and would speak in their own made-up language, kind of similar to um, the Minions and their gibberish language. So where does the conspiracy theory come in? A Legends Revealed website described the following in a direct quote. The sophisticated electronics and sensors in the product caused it so that it appeared as though the toys were learning to speak English. You see, the dolls initially spoke just furbish, a nonsense language. Over time, they slowly added more English words until they spoke English. This though was just as a, This though was just as a result of a program that made it so that over time the dolls would automatically speak more and more English. And now here's the tricky part. Sensors would go off if you pet the doll while it was saying certain words. It would then make the Furby speak those words more often. So it seemed like you were teaching the doll to speak, end quote. In referencing a Mental Floss article, some believe that the Furbies could record or repeat conversations, which actually led to some high-ranking security officials panicking at the thought of these toys getting into the wrong hands. Now, who were these high-ranking security officials? Well, the National Security Agency, or NSA, the Pentagon, and Norfolk Naval Shipyard banned the toy from each of the premises in 1999. Basically, these officials, among others, were concerned that with the potential alleged ability for the Furby to repeat and record, Furbies would be able to leak important American based information to God knows who. To make it even worse for the integrity of Furby, there were even more unbiased concerns brewing for them. For example, there were concerns that Furbies might interfere with a plane's equipment and that the toys reported low level electromagnetic waves would interfere with medical devices. Because of these concerns, many folks avoid purchasing the toy or, you know, bringing it to work, the hospital, or on board their flight. But none of these conspiracy theories, drenched in myths, were ever backed up by anything factual from what I gathered online, thus being quickly debunked. Now to summarize this week's weird distraction. I think it's safe to say that online conspiracy theories will always put a weird damper on things that we hold sacred. Whether they are some burnt kernels of truth or some off-the-wall ideas, conspiracy theories, especially surrounding toys, will probably keep us on our toes for decades to come. Were there any theories I mentioned today that once got you good, you were very convinced it was true? If so, let me know on today's social media posts or by sending me a DM or an email. And I'm also interested to hear if anyone has had any creepy or weird experiences with any of the toys mentioned today. Feel free to send those stories my way as well. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each Each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month, you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash weird distractions podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members. Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, Jennifer, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some long-time listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters Unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at Weird Distractions at Outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye.